properties, the hotels that are going to end up winning are going to be the ones that provide choices and the ones that provide options and that decide to morph their property to the needs of the particular guest. Welcome to the Proven Principles Podcast, the show that deconstructs the inner workings of the hospitality industry, breaking down the tools, tips, and tricks that the world's best-run hotels use every day. Here's your host, Adam Knight. My guest today is Jason Lugo. He's Market Vice President for the Americas at SiteMinder, the world's leading open hotel commerce platform. The company recently released its 2022 Changing Traveler Report. Featuring insights from 8,000 traveler interviews, it's the largest accommodation-specific consumer survey on a global level, providing valuable insights into the full traveler journey. In other words, how guests dream, plan, book, experience, and share their stay. We tackle five key insights from the report on this episode, but most of the discussion centers on technology because so many hotels are trying to figure out what guests want, how to incorporate these tools into their operation, and perhaps most importantly, how not to dilute their brands in the process. This was one of those recordings that went quick, so it's a fast and tactical conversation. Jason does a great job breaking down relevant and actionable data and making sense of some of the more ambiguous challenges that hotels are facing. There's a lot more to the report, so be sure to check it out at siteminder.com forward slash principles. So let's get to it. This is episode 104 of the Proven Principles podcast, Jason Lugo on insights from SiteMinder's 2022 Changing Traveler Report. Enjoy. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for being on the show. It's great to have you. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me. If for some reason, somebody in hospitality hasn't heard of SiteMinder, can you just give them or give us a quick overview of what the company does um, and maybe what you guys have been up to for the last couple of years through the pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, for having us on your show, Adam. Quick overview of, of SiteMinder, right? So SiteMinder as a business, we're actually a hotel tech company, right? We were founded back in 2006. And uh, we've been in the industry now for a little bit over 15 years now. From a technology standpoint, really what we are is we are a platform. We are the world's leading open hotel commerce platform for hotels and really any kind of accommodations uh, provider. So what we allow our hoteliers to do through our platform is to be able to sell, market, manage, and grow their business. And we do that through a variety of different ways, right? So we allow them to capture revenue across a variety of different channels. We allow them to drive a lot more direct bookings by helping them build their brand, by helping them manage a variety of different campaigns. We also allow them to manage everything from their bookings to their payments, all very securely through one platform, provide a bunch of real-time insights so that way they can make timely decisions for their properties. And we open up this entire world of third-party applications for them since we have the largest uh, open ecosystem. So we're very proud about the work that, uh, that we do. I think on scale, we, we work with over 34,000 hotels globally in more than 150 countries. So, you know, for a lot of hoteliers, we are synonymous with hotel technology. And so over the past few years since COVID, we've obviously been helping uh, our customers navigate challenging times, uh, being able to pivot. But we've also come to the market with some exciting new shiny technology that being our platform. And uh, we recently also, um, you would see us in the news talking about uh, an acquisition that we actually made uh, of a company to kind of uh, enhance our guest communications with uh, hoteliers. So 
been a lot of interesting things that we've been doing in the marketplace lately. And one of those things is putting together the Changing Traveler Report. And this this report is, uh, uh, I got a bit of a sneak peek at it. So th- thanks for sending that over. Um, it is, yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. 8,000 travelers interviewed uh, across the world, 800 or so in the US, um, covering a lot of different topics, uh, or I guess, I guess maybe topics isn't the right way. Some very interesting insights came out of talking with all of these people. Um, five key insights that came out of it, uh, which I thought were notable to just talk about here right out of the gate. Urge to travel is stronger than inflation, which is mm-hmm. fascinating. Uh, which also, if you look at the way that travel evolved through the summer when inflation was arguably at its highest so far, rates were you know, as high as ever. Uh, occupancy was certainly back to pre-pandemic levels. So that certainly, at least in the summer, holds true. Um, travelers are more, are the most winnable consumers on earth, uh, which, you know, again, very interesting. It probably supports key insight number one to a certain degree. Um, uh, working travelers want the hotel of the future today. Uh, and I'd be interested to dive into that point with you in a second here. Um, every digital touch point matters. Again, I think we need to dive into that a little bit, but maybe we can start with the fifth insight and then work our way backwards. Cause this is the one that actually hit me the hardest that tech enabled travelers are not willing to compromise on human connection. And I found this interesting because we hear so much about automation coming into the hospitality space. And some of that is by necessity. And some of that is just because we're, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of the industry is changing and evolving and we need to change and evolve with what customers want. Um, But maybe we can dive into that for a second here um, and talk about what, what you guys saw when it comes to how customers are traveling today, the demands of what properties need to have from a tech standpoint, but also how do you stay high touch in a service capacity when once you're starting to put all of these tech tech tools in place that arguably remove the interactive nature of you know the the guest and the hotel worker relationship so i'll turn it over to you with that Absolutely. Um, yes. So to touch, uh, touch a little bit on the uh, actual report, yes, it's the Changing Traveler Report. We've been releasing it now for a few years, and it's actually the largest accommodation-specific traveler survey globally. So as you mentioned, we've interviewed over 1,000 travelers globally, 800 of those in the U.S., and we've been releasing this report now really as our effort to keep hoteliers up to date with the ever-evolving landscape of what's going on in the travel industry, what's going on with travelers' preferences when it comes to hotels and really any kind of uh, accommodation, whether that be vacation rentals, et cetera. So those listening can definitely go to our website at sitebender.com and download the report and take a look at it. Um, and likewise, I think, uh, you know, to that uh, fifth one of the fifth insights, right, that uh, you mentioned, which is what we're calling the human connection trend. It's a little bit of a head scratcher because, uh, you know, I think really where we are right now is there's a lot of different schools of thought as hotels are looking or thinking about this entire automation through 
technology, right? Is it going to enhance my uh, guest experience, right? Or am I using it as a way to be able to replace the human contact? And so I think that those are two different things that hotels, hoteliers need to consider. I think the ones that are inevitably going to win are the ones that aren't necessarily looking at it from the point of view that they need to implement technology to be able to replace the human touch, to be able to replace the human interaction, but more so to enhance it, right? Particularly enhance the human uh, experience, or I'm sorry, the guest experience. And so when we're thinking about it, um, you know, there's a bunch of technologies that we can can talk about. I think for the sake of this, I really want to focus on those guest-facing technologies. There's obviously a lot of ways that Hotels can automate a lot of back of house processes that could have a lot of big dividends and could help with the staff shortages, right? Um, and just overall make or establish a bunch of efficiencies within the property, which still touch the guest in some form or fashion, whether they see it or not. That's all valid. But, you know, I think what's really interesting is um, in, within our industry, right? We've long made this division between, for example, limited service. And then luxury. And we've kind of, through history, you know, established the idea that luxury means uh, a bunch of human interaction. Luxury means that the, high, that the human touch has to be extremely high. But I think that after COVID, you know, uh, the types of travelers we're seeing have changed, right? I think a big impact in, in these different trends that we are seeing is really driven in particular by two things. One is by the Gen Z and the Gen X um, travelers that have different preferences and their idea of the way things should be is a lot different, right? And then we're seeing this uh, leisure travel, right? Business and leisure being mixed together. So inevitably, um, travelers are now spending a lot more time within hotels um, and uh, they have certain expectations, right? And so What I think is really important now in this world is to really consider that limited service, for example, and leisure are not necessarily mutually exclusive. I think that we are starting to see crossover, right, between luxury properties, for example, now implementing limited service type of services, such as the contactless check-in, to be able to speed that piece up. However, they still want, guests still want to have that expertise, right? If I'm a leisure traveler and I'm going somewhere to work for a week, two weeks, a month even, uh, I am looking to immerse myself in the community. I'm looking to immerse myself in the neighborhood. And so I need that expertise, right? But I want the efficiencies of being able to do it myself. But when I want somebody uh, to reach out to, when I want that expertise, I want it quickly uh, and I want it in real time. But also that does not necessarily mean that I want it face-to-face. That might mean that I want it through a chatbot. That might mean that, uh, that I want it through some kind of text messaging. But the immediacy of the response is super important for me. And so I think that's why we've also seen a huge rise in popularity from, you know, Airbnb type properties, VRBO type properties, right? Because they are, because the way that they communicate with, with the way that guests communicate with those property owners is different. Uh, it's a lot more modern. Uh, the expertise that they're able to provide uh, is also uh, super important. But the wonderful thing is we are now seeing once again, you know, that hotels are starting to increase their occupancy. So I think that 
travelers still have a desire to stay within hotels. I think that COVID may have um, put a little bit of a pause on that, but we're seeing that starting to return. And so it's a really, really interesting, um, interesting topic. Uh, because what we are seeing and, and through the report, essentially what we saw is that um, these guests, they do want efficiencies uh, through technology. However, they're not quite ready to let go of the human uh, engagement aspect, particularly in the luxury realm. I think what's important is that if I asked you uh, what luxury means to you, going to be different than what it means to me. And to be honest, I don't even know if we can articulate it, mm-hmm. but we can feel it. Yeah we can sense it whenever we're in it, yeah. right? And so I think the properties, the hotels that are going to end up winning are going to be the ones that provide choices and the ones that provide options and that decide to morph their property to the needs of the particular guest. That is a very interesting point. Um, and I, I like the way that you articulated Technology adoption in hotels almost needs to either take care of things that make the operation more efficient, which in a roundabout way, the guest will ultimately uh, feel that one one way or another. Uh, it And also taking maybe mundane or um, sort of the table stakes, very low level functions of the guest staff interaction, automating those, and then just making sure that the staff are around and available to, to, um, I even hesitate to say personalize the experience because that, that, that's a whole other conversation, but Mm -hmm. they're there to be able to maybe bring the brand to life in different ways to, to bring the reason why somebody chose to stay at the hotel to life in a different way. And, you know, people choose to stay at properties and different brands for different reasons, but you know, those reasons usually filter down ultimately to either like they get something from like a points value or they get something from an experience value. And usually experience does sort of tie into that even if you're there for the points. And so I, I think you make an interesting point about that. Um, so I guess it's fair to say one of the insights from, from this report here is that it would be wrong to say, or it would be, maybe it wouldn't be a complete statement to say that guests don't necessarily care about staff interaction anymore. It's that they don't care to do time-wasting things when they're at the hotel they want to use that time valuably to do other things that maybe allow them to experience the property in a different way. Yeah, absolutely right. So I think I think the best way to think about it, uh, you know, as we're talking about this entire concept of technology to automate, the big question that hoteliers have to ask themselves is, okay, what processes do I actually automate? Right? We cannot convert the hotel into an entire robot. I mean, maybe you could, right? But probably not the best strategy. Um, and really, as you mentioned, it's a lot of these low-level manual tasks that are tasks that need to get done, but that are just tedious, right? They're absolute waste of the use of your resources times. When I say resources, I mean your staff. So if we are in a, staff, a staffing shortage crisis right now, 
do we really need the staff to be able to take in these manual registration forms, which are still a thing, to take up these credit card uh, information manually, which is still a thing, right? Um, to be able to provide the Wi-Fi information code, password, mm-hmm. which is still a thing, right? Like, are those really the tasks that we need our front desk staff doing day in and day out? And I think a lot of sophisticated hotelers will say no, Yeah, right? That really isn't. There's technology for that, right? There's technology for that. And there are platforms like SiteMinders who enable open up that world of technology for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it's not about replacing. I think the, 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 the ones who will lose are the ones who are trying to replace uh, their humans, right? Their, their, their staff um, as a result of implementing that technology. But it's putting these individuals behind this technology to be able to provide that extra value, extra value to them, right? Yeah. So hotels really have to understand, first of all, who their audience is. I think that's really where it starts, right? Is who is your customer? What are the needs? Uh, what are the requirements of uh, that, uh, that guest? I think you can no longer look at it from the point of view that, oh, I'm a limited established uh, limited service uh, establishment. So this is generally the type of customer that I am trying to attract. I think that you've got to do the work of understanding, okay, there's one thing is the kind of individuals that we think a certain establishment attracts versus the kind of individuals you're actually getting walking through the door. Those are two very different things. And so the ones that are going to win are the ones who really, really, really understand the, the preferences um, of, their, of their guests. And I know we're probably so tired, right, as hotelers to talk about preferences and personalizing the experience. I think it's kind of become this this catchphrase. Well, yeah, it has. And, you know, I, I would argue, and I've been in the industry for, you know, 25 years. So definitely been around the personalization conversation in different capacities forever. And I got to tell you, I don't think that many people in the industry even know what that means. Or maybe they don't know how to articulate it because it's more than just somebody likes Diet Coke. So you make sure they have Diet Cokes in their room. That's not a, the personalized personalization of a stay. But if you were to ask somebody, you know, what is what does that term mean? You know, you might get an answer back about, well, we'd like to, we know, you know, what their favorite food is, and you know, maybe we'll have an amenity in their room, and we know what you know kind of beds they like, and high floor, low floor, blah, whatever, whatever. That's just a different version of Diet Coke in the room. So, did anything? In, just since you brought it up, the question came to mind: Did anything come out of this report around personalization? And and maybe this is a good dovetail into, you know, the hotel of the future today conversation because mm-hmm. I have a feeling mm-hmm. that those two may not be obviously linked, the personalization and the hotel of the future. But I think if you just peel back the layer of onion, a couple layers of the onion, I think you'll find that those two things are are maybe more uh, synonymous than we may give them credit for. Absolutely. So yeah, to the point of preferences, um, I think when we look at the report, a couple of things stood out is, you know, one of the key insights obviously is that the urge to travel is still a very strong force, stronger than inflation. And that our, our, uh, right now, travelers are actually the most winnable customers on earth. So what, is that, what does that actually tell us? If we can dive into that a little bit, is that that means that 
uh, individuals are willing to spend money on travel. And they're also actually very open to advertisements, to actually getting proactive outreach from uh, hotels. And again, I think that we have to understand the driving force behind a lot of the travelers nowadays, particularly in the leisure uh, segment, the leisure travel, which are your Gen X, right? Your Gen Y. Um, and these individuals are a lot more tech oriented. They're a lot more connected. They're savvier shoppers as well, right? So they're out there hunting for deals, right? Uh, as somebody, for example, myself, who just got back from a, uh, a trip and I went out to Vancouver for the first time, I actually didn't book my hotel until uh, two days before I actually arrived. And the reason is because I know that I could probably get an excellent deal on an opaque site like Hotwire. And that is exactly what I did. And I got an amazing deal, right? Um, and I pay attention to ads, right, that pop up on my Instagram and, uh, and social media and online. And so what am I getting at is that, you know, hoteliers need to, need to really get their digital strategy down to be able to reach these, uh, these travelers. They're willing to spend money. But to your, to your original question about whether there were certain preferences that actually uh, we identified through the, the report, no. But let me tell you why I think that's important. And the reason is because I think that we've got to move away from understanding what necessarily the preferences are of groups of travelers because preferences are very personal. And I think what we are starting to see now, what travelers really want are choices. They want choices. What does this actually translate into? This means for hoteliers, providing a variety of different choices in terms of their rate plans and being very specific about what it includes. Yeah, we know people want breakfast, right? Yeah, we know people might, uh, you know, want a certain view, uh, as you mentioned. But now we have to go a, a, a bit further and understand, for example, the luxury traveler does not necessarily want or need housekeeping every day. Maybe they don't want it because they're actually working in their room, right? Um, maybe because they're on a business trip, you know, and they intend to spend more time in the room on meetings or whatever the case may be. It's quite interesting. This hotel that I stayed at in Vancouver, it was actually the first time that um, I was actually asked if I wanted housekeeping daily. And if you did, you actually had to call. It was a luxury hotel. You actually had to call and request the, uh, the housekeeping. So definitely made available to you. Um, just so happens you had to call 24 hours ahead of time, which is not maybe not oh. the best, uh, not the best experience. Execution. But, yeah. you know, for me, I appreciated that because guess what? I didn't want the, uh, the housekeeping uh, every day. You know, and so I, I could I could go on and on, but I think that um, these again, I'm I'm coming back to this whole idea of options, providing options, providing these value added service that go beyond the typical of the view of the balcony of the of the breakfast, and really understanding what 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 are what are the uh, what are what does it actually look like to travel now, particularly for these leisure travelers that are a lot more connected? And how do they want to communicate with us? I think are the two big questions that hotels have to uh, be asking themselves right now and consistently be able to pivot in their, in their offering and ask those questions some form or fashion to get those responses. And the best way to do it 
is through technology, to be honest. Uh, but at the same time, that human interaction behind the technology is going to continue to be so, so, so important. You know, I think everything you said is, uh, I mean, I, it, it all, it resonates really strongly. And what the thought that comes to mind is that a lot of this may be in con contradiction or conflict with, with typical brands, uh, voice or the brand's view of themselves from in the eyes of the guest. Cause as soon as you start talking about providing choice and providing, um, mm -hmm even local, more local experiences. And I think, you know, you, if you think back to the, you know, maybe obviously pre-pandemic, but you know, 10 or 15 years ago when the preference era of travel really took hold, in a lot of cases, it was trying to provide the same experience at every single hotel within a portfolio, mm -hmm. regardless mm -hmm. of where the guest was traveling, which kind of goes back to the days when you could walk into a hotel and, you know, you maybe not know if you were in Cleveland or Miami because the room was the same, the design was the same, the offerings were the same. Not, there was nothing really different about it. And as time has gone on, we've had more discussion about providing local experiences, bringing local flair and offerings into properties. But that again, that never really took hold in a, in a meaningful way at scale. Sure, there were brands and, and individual properties that were doing it well, but at scale, still still probably isn't a thing. But in this discussion about making sure that, you know, people are having a great experience and what's luxury to somebody else and in and, and bringing in all of the, the different technology, you know, I can see that there could be some internal barriers to, to, to really moving the needle to the place that it needs to go because the brand can't get away from tripping over itself. And I'd be curious to get your thoughts on maybe how should brands be thinking about this? Because it's in my, my thinking here, it's not just about what are the new tools and the new ways that we need to interact with our guests. It's how does our brand evolve to do this in a way that is true to our pedigree, but also allows uh, ourselves to learn and grow and evolve as our guests are? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting one. Um, you're absolutely right. Whether you were visiting one city or the other, I think that was the entire idea behind uh, the brand. That is what people were loyal to. Um, and I think that we've also got to remember that at the moment in time when that entire movement started happening with all the chains, it was a, it was a much different type of traveler, right? And there was also a lot more corporate travel that was also happening, which I think is a big, big, uh, that's a podcast in and of its own, right? Um, it and is. So, <laughs> um, so who are the, who are the ones that are going to win? First, I think that, I think that chains are catching on. I know that IHG is doing some interesting stuff with some of its, um, some of its soft brands, um, and as well as, as well as others. But I think that really what needs to happen, and this is where I think that from a, from a, from a chain's perspective, I think those that have a franchise model have a huge opportunity, right? To be able to release some of that control and some of that expertise at a more local level. 
But I think that um, as travelers are looking to submerge themselves now more into neighborhoods, into local communities, and to kind of feel a part of like, uh, this is home away from home from the time being, or as they're starting to, uh, which is continuing to be a trans, um leisure vacations now being a lot longer than they used to be uh, before, right? Um, then I think that's where things start to uh, evolve in terms of how the hotel looks and feels. And I think here, the key to this is not radically changing the entire way that the hotel at the local level operates. It's not about implementing a different tech stack. I think this really boils down to the details of it, right? What is the music that is playing whenever I actually walk into my room, for example? What does the decor look like? Does it give me a sense that I'm in downtown St. Louis or that I'm in downtown Dallas, for example? Right, but at the core of it, I think a lot of the offerings could potentially be the same. But again, I think that we now have to really consider about what the guest feels like right whenever they actually step foot into a property. So I don't think it is about losing your identity as as a brand. Um, I just think it's really trying to be as localized as possible. So that way you make your traveler feel part of that community of that city that they are staying in. I think that's the key. A big opportunity here, though, is for new entrants into the industry, right? New players, uh, new accommodations providers. We see a lot of interesting concepts, you know, from uh, hotels and different accommodation providers that uh, become SiteMinder customers. We're some of the first to see it as they're shopping out for new technologies. And I think what we're noticing is a lot of very unique, very interesting concepts where um, a lot of new entrants are essentially trying to understand what are the things that made uh, the vacation rental space very, very popular, um, particularly during the thick of COVID, right? Those Airbnb type of properties, what are the, what are the things that attracted travelers to them? How, but however, the biggest gap there are there are still certain hotel services that people want. So how can I how can I merge those? How can I morph those to become my own small brand? And uh, this is where we're seeing that uh, new entrants are having a lot of success. Is that they're really trying to break away from the stereotypical cookie cutter box of what a hotel is, um, and really trying to reinvent themselves and put a brand behind it with a really solid tech stack. And we're seeing that they're having a lot of success. Uh, and they're also very, very conscious of creating spaces that enable uh, work to be done because that is just the reality that we're in. You know, it still has to be functional. It still has to be functional. It still has to make sense. Yeah, yeah, that's really good insight. And I, I guess before we wrap the show here, the one uh, last piece, and, and ultimately these conversations, at least internally, they always come down to money. <laughs> What's the ROI? Uh, on any money that has to be spent to bring something new in, bring a new tech tool, whatever. Um, and that very first insight I spoke about, the urge to travel is stronger than inflation. Um, it, what I found interesting within that insight was the discussion around ancillary revenue mm-hmm. or additional revenue streams in that guests are willing to pay for different services, different amenities, different offerings. 
so there doesn't doesn't based on the report, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of price sensitivity around these. But again, it kind of goes back to this whole discussion about just because you put it out there doesn't mean people are going to buy it. Mm. You really got to be thoughtful in how you deploy an ancillary revenue stream within your hotel because there's a ton of cost associated with it. Uh, but if you do it right, people will spend money on it. So what, from your side, what did you guys learn there? Absolutely. Um, well, I think, you know, what's funny, um, Adam, is that a lot of hotels have uh, abilities for add-ons, right? They have ways and this is not reinventing the wheel, by the way. This is not trying to think of the next best thing that I could offer that hotel down the street doesn't necessarily offer. Um, what we see that is differentiating the ones that are the, the hotels the, that are having success and generating a lot more of this uh, additional revenue through add-ons, through value-added services, whatever you want to call it, is just the plain communication that they have those services available. So let's just let's just take a step back and really understand how it is that generally speaking add-ons are uh sold at a at a hotel, right? Uh in 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 a general hotel operation what's long happened is that we rely on front desk uh staff to also be salespeople. So that means that we have to actually make sure that they are communicating to them, right? What are the additional services that could be added onto the reservation? What is available to them? And we have we lose we lose the control of making sure that it reaches every single guest. And so this is why the technology piece is so so powerful. But it's not just about the technology; it is about ensuring that you are con constantly communicating with your guests at every single point of their stay with you, whether that's pre check in right by providing them options to upgrade or potentially having software that enables you to actually uh, 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 start bidding processes right um, because at the end of the day a late checkout if you have nobody else that's staying in that room afterwards what do you care whether you're charging you know maybe an extra seventy dollars or forty dollars it might make sense for you that's additional revenue right that you could generate it's just an example during the stay right there's a lot of different things that could be offered to the guests during the stay right um promotions right and so there's a lot of different ways that i think that we could through technology be able to communicate uh all these additional services that guests could buy so i really don't think one of the biggest takeaways is that obviously guests are willing and able to spend this additional money on these value-added services but the key the key thing for hoteliers to to be able to to pin down is how is this act? How am I actually getting this in front of my customers to actually make it happen? Um, and so that is where the most effective strategy there is to implement tools, right, that enable you um, to be able to do that. So I think that that's really what we've identified as a huge area of opportunity for our customers. And it's something that, again, through platforms like SiteMinder, they're able to to to, to do very effectively. Jason, I feel like we uh, barely scratched the surface on this report, but you've given uh, some really great insight here. Um, and and a, just a little bit of like understanding of how do you take something that's 
so much information and filter it down into something that's like easily digestible and understandable. Um, so I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and giving some some clarity here. Uh, I'm going to link to the report in the show notes. So, if, so I really do urge anybody listening to jump in there and take a look at it, download the report, take a look. Cause um, you know, I, I could, this, we could make three episodes out of this very we easily, could, we absolutely could. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if anybody, Jason uh, wants to learn more about you or wants to learn about SiteMinder, uh, where should they go? Absolutely. Um, yes. SiteMinder.com is the best way to reach us. And we're always open to having free consultations with any hotelier, any accommodations provider. So if they just go onto SiteMinder.com, they'll be able to access the changing traveler report as well as many other uh, resources that we have for them. Uh, and they are able to find all avenues to contact uh, one of our hotel consultants. And we're more than happy to, to have a conversation with everyone. Sounds good. Well, Jason, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks. Thank you, Adam. This was my episode with Jason Lugo. You can download the Changing Travel Report and get the SiteMinder platform at half price for six months by going to siteminder.com forward slash principles. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For past episodes or to get in touch with us, just go to theprovenprinciplespodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at the Proven Principles Podcast, or you can find us on LinkedIn. I'm Adam Knight, and you've been listening to the Proven Principles Podcast. Until next time.